from Gay BC, this is the Happy Hour with your hosts, Richie Roy, Chick Maxson, and Johnny Mack. Your source for conversation, current events, culture, and all things LGBTQ. Hello, everyone, and welcome to uh, the first Thursday evening edition of the Happy Hour, our new uh, Bat Time, same Bat channel. Um, how's it going, Johnny Mac and Chick Maxson? It's going Chick, pretty how you good. Doing? Good. I'm I'm doing pretty well. It's it's been it has been hot. But... <laughs> how about you, Johnny? Hot. Uh, well, it's 111 degrees at showtime, five Pacific, eight Eastern time. If you're joining us on our live broadcast. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> it's it's a bit toasty out there. If Oof. I if I wasn't afraid of dropping the mic in the pool, um, I'd probably go do the show poolside. Ooh, we might have to do a very special episode sometime a a um, happy we'll, hour pool party. I think we'll pre-record a happy hour pool party when you're here for the LGBTQ Pride in yes. November. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> I'm actually thinking because we're on live on Thursday nights now, and I think that most of y'all are arriving that day on Thursday. I'll have to find out what times everybody's getting in because maybe we'll uh, do the program live here that day. Oh, that would with, be super fun. With, you know, as a party. Yeah. So um, before we get into it, we've got a packed schedule of fun stuff to talk about today. Um, I want to mention uh, right at the top of the show that this is a call-in show, and we've got a number. It's 760-677-0111. And as you're listening in, if you hear anything that uh, strikes your fancy, give us a call, and uh, we can chat about it. For sure. So we will start off with a... A pretty, uh, I think you could put this in the file of unintended consequences. Um, an attempt to screw with a San Diego library's pride display backfired big time. And um, I love, I love this story. So what happened here, this is an article in the New York Times covered this. Um, there was a, you know, a local uh, library in San Diego that had um, what they admittedly said was a somewhat sort of paltry pride uh, display up during Pride Month, and um, all of the materials were checked out. And then they received a letter from a patron or a couple patrons that said, uh, we've checked out all of the materials in your Pride section. We aren't returning them um, because we think that it's objectionable material and you know Pride shouldn't be displayed in front of children and whatever. And so, the, you know, this story was picked up in the local news, and as a result, they were flooded with Amazon boxes of uh, replacement copies of the books that had been checked out and um, and a bunch of donations. And because of how, it's, I think, the city ma uh, matching funds work, they actually got a big influx of funds and a bunch of uh, pride books. So this uh, attempt at a little guerrilla warfare actually backfired big time. Yeah, and you know, San Diego has uh, several elected officials and historically has had a lot of elected officials on both the Democrat and Republican side who are LGBTQ. Um, so mm -hmm. it, it doesn't surprise me that, that this is how this would 
you know, the end result would would come about. But it surprises me that some people made a big stink to begin with, uh, in San Diego anyway. I mean, a lot of people think that everything about California is very liberal. That's not necessarily the case. As you know, there are definitely pockets uh, in the inland area of California and even along the coast. Um, Orange County for many years was very much a uh, Republican stronghold, a conservative stronghold, and parts of San Diego are too because uh, I'm guessing that the largest employer in San Diego is the United States Department of Defense. Um, mm-hmm. The Navy and the Marine Corps have extensive um, uh, operations in that area. So that's the the main base for the Pacific Fleet of the Navy and, and so on and so forth. So you get a lot of people who politically are more conservative there. But when it comes to LGBTQ stuff, I think most people in uh, that place, in San Diego anyway, are very open-minded. Yeah, I think what it, what it really just demonstrates is, um, you know, when you're in a situation where you're, your whole model, like a library, is sort of built on good faith actions. Yeah. Um, you know, you're free. It's free. You can check books out at will. And, you know, a lot of times because of economic uh, equity issues, you know, there are a lot of now um, late fees and stuff are, are waived generally. Um, it just takes a couple jerks to really, you know, screw around with, um, you know, with the library's sort of programming decisions. I just think it was great that, um, you know, that the story was picked up and that um, that it just it, it backfired. And actually what was kind of a, a slapdash, you know, last minute pride display ended up, you know, with them having like a pretty robust collection of LGBTQ books now. So, yeah. um, you know, it just it, it just it's a good it's a fun story because we've talked over the recent weeks about the constant drumbeat of book bans and libraries being defunded or attempts to defund libraries. And they've become this kind of like flashpoint for LGBTQ, uh, you know, sort of existence, you know, in terms of just like exposure. And to have this story, you know, someone trying to pull a fast one and then just getting, you know, just (laughs) getting their ass handed to them is great. It is great. And uh, hopefully people in other communities across the country, as more of these kinds of shenanigans go on, because, you know, it's not going to, you know, start and end here. Um, Hopefully other people will be inclined to do the same thing with uh, libraries in their communities if they are the victims of, you know, these kinds of shenanigans. Yeah, I think it also brings up the point that I what I would like to know, because the this wasn't in a vacuum. This is someone getting an idea from a Facebook group, a Twitter feed. Yeah. There's there's some kind of astroturfy right wing organization that's the one that's putting this in people's ears that they can go and just check out all the books. Um, so, you know, I, I would I would like to know where that that is coming from. And, you know, it's just again, yeah, um, there's there's actual organizations that get people to do this kind of stuff. Just like, you know, we've been reading and watching on television and so on, all the reporting around these knuckleheads who are part of white supremacist groups around the country that coordinate getting together and going and trying to intimidate people at pride festivals or going to venues and, and, 
you know, chanting outside of venues that maybe have had those uh, reading uh, situations with drag queens doing storytelling and things like that for youth. So, you know, just don't put up with that crap in your community. Make sure that we're there to um, show that there is uh, vocal support for these kinds of things happening in a free society. Absolutely. And I know that that's been a big, a big thing um, in the neighborhood I used to live in, um, in Queens, in Jackson Heights. There have been Proud Boys and stuff showing up to protest um, and not neo-Nazis um, showing up to protest the drag story hours. And thankfully, you know, there's a, a robust counter protest um, situation. You know, people are, are mobilized, motivated and informed and they kind of know ahead of time when this is going to happen. And they just drown out those voices with other voices. But you're right. It's important to kind of, especially on a local level, wherever you live, be vigilant, kind of keep keep an eye on uh, what's going on. And, um, yeah, make sure that if, if stuff like this happens, that, you know, you're out there making sure that there are voices in the other direction. We should get some T-shirts made that say, like, in you know, on black T-shirts in white letters that say something like, Proud boy, question mark. When are you going to grow up and be a man? Yeah. Oh, the proud boys. It's That's a whole can yeah. of worms. I mean, you know, there was actually, um, I don't know if you saw this story. It's a little bit, um, a, a little off topic, but that um, Ron DeSantis had one of his media people, um, they had to, well, you know, basically they, they canned him because they th- there was one of these crazy fever dream videos that Ron DeSantis likes to put out there but that had actual Nazi imagery in it. Um, like this, this, uh, this sort of glowing sun with these kind of like symbols around it that turned out to be kind of a direct Nazi image. And, um, you know, it, it really isn't that, you know, it's basically just that the, the dog whistle was a little too loud that time. But um, yeah, the, the, the courting of that kind of segment of the right is alarming. You know, and, and I, I could if, if Gene Rayburn, the ta- uh, the game show host, was still alive today, I could just hear him ringing in my ears with one of those, with one of those things on the match game, where he would say something like, "Ron DeSantis was so dumb," and you hear the audience go, "How dumb was he?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, this guy can't quit stepping on his own dick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can also just picture uh, I could just hear Bob Barker with his funny shaped microphone saying, and be sure to spay and neuter your proud boys. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) But yeah. um, But yeah, so I I just really liked this story. I thought it was a good because sometimes, you know, on the show, we start things off with a little bit of, you know, a little bit of a of a dark cloud. Um, But I thought that this was just kind of a a fun one. So yeah, um, for sure. Giving and, them a you know, little of the and, hair of the dog that bit them. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Um, I want to mention, you know, by the way, uh, that we are going to be talking in our next hour with a special guest who's going to be in studio with us where we will kind of pick up some of this kind of uh, rhetoric and, and activity by people on the right Uh, We're going to be joined by the chair of the Riverside County, California Democratic Party, and she is uh, very much involved in LGBTQ and women's rights and and democratic activism, 
and has been for many years. Uh, she uh, has quite a diverse background. She used to be in uh, management of music acts, and um, and she is currently also involved in her day job, as though that weren't enough, uh, with doing stuff uh, for people who are in need of affordable housing in Southern California. Um, Joy Silver is going to join us, and she has been a candidate for public office. Um, we're going to talk with her about something that went on uh, in the Temecula schools, um, which Temecula is located just north of San Diego, but it is in Riverside County, which is the 10th largest county in the United States. So uh, we'll look forward to visiting with her next hour. And also coming up after the news at the bottom of the hour, um, we're going to have an opportunity to talk with one of our correspondents again, James Appadale is going to be along with us, and we're going to be talking about U.S. Admiral John Kirby, um, who had an opportunity to school the public himself on how Republican meddling in armed services provisions of care for women and trans people is counterproductive. James will be with us to join us in our third segment this hour, so I hope you'll stay tuned. And We've got some fun coming up as well uh, shortly uh, with regards to music that people like to have playing at events like pool parties and when you go to the parks or beaches this summer. So we'll get a chance to have some fun with that and we'll invite your calls uh, to make some suggestions as well at 760-677-0111. That number, by the way, is on the gbc.com homepage. And if you're brand new to listening to us live on this program, uh, we welcome you. We want you to know that uh, your participation is 100% guaranteed welcome. And we also, uh, if you're somebody who normally would have to listen to the show uh, on an on-demand basis, want you to know that it's available through many of the biggest platforms for podcast listening. You can, of course, get it at our gbc.com website every week or our parent company at mutualpodcasts.com. But it's on Apple and Google and uh, Amazon Music and TuneIn and Spotify and, you know, several others. So hope hope that you have all of those uh, um, or access to at least one of those services if you want to have it so it downloads automatically when there's a new update that posts every Thursday morning. So I'll get off my soapbox there. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's great. No, it's it's good. It's good to remind folks, and especially now that we're kind of moving times. And and I have to say, you know, one of the things that's that's interesting is, um, you know, the energy level is different. I kind of like this Thursday night vibe. Um, yeah. It feels a little bit more like an actual happy hour. Like I have my little. I have my little tumbler of bourbon here, and you know it, it feels like a party. So um, yeah, I'm I, I'm liking it. What are you drinking, Chick? What's going on down in San Angelo, Texas? I am drinking a Coors Banquet. So <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's that's a good one. The original, the gold can. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and you know it, and and you know it, it's uh, it's interesting because now um, you know with all the beer wars going on, I feel like you're 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 having a diplomatic beer. Um, you know, you're not uh, you're not on one side or the other of the whole Bud Light 
catastrophe <laughs> that we've talked about before. Yeah, I've never really even been a fan of Bud Light very much anyways, so it didn't didn't affect me. I do think that we owe it, it to uh, InBev, uh, Anheuser, um, to acknowledge, though, that they've always been a real big champion of the LGBTQ community, and they put a lot of money behind uh, Pride events across the country. Uh, they put a ton of money into... Um, LGBTQ sports events, you know, uh, mm-hmm. softball and you know other other uh, forms of sporting activities and and stuff. And they make a lot of events possible in communities all across the country. So, um, you know, I certainly wouldn't dissuade somebody uh, who does like Bud or Bud Light or any of those other brands uh, from from enjoying them. And we're going to talk about brands that we actually put our our GBC Happy Hour uh, house, <laughs> uh, I guess, uh, seal of approval on. That'll be coming up in our next hour as well. So stay with us here on the GBC Happy Hour with Chick Max and Richie Roy. I am Johnny Mac, and we look forward to hearing from you at 760-677-0111. Pool party songs next. Happy Hour on Gay BC. No agenda, except for that gay one. (laughs) Welcome back to the Happy Hour. Um, We are with you live on this Thursday evening. And before we hop into the playlist, uh, the summer pool party playlist uh, conversation, um, some long-awaited swag is now available on the website on GayBC.com. Did you see that today? What was that? Did you see that today? I did actually. Good. Yeah, yeah. no, we've got we've got some nice some nice gear. Some uh, we've got uh, several shirts and um, what else is there? And I'm sorry, but no, the models are not available for sale. Yeah, they don't come with the products, unfortunately. Yeah. But yeah, um, if you want to wear your your you know to your pool party that you're going to be uh, you know playing these tunes at, uh, you know there the swag is available. It looks great, and uh, yeah. Yeah, t-shirts, but, coffee mugs, uh, beach towels, um, and also the basketball jersey that's like a mm-hmm. tank top. Um, all available there. You'll see pictures of those. But to see everything, you can go uh, and click on that on the gbc.com homepage, and then that'll take you to our mutual store. And there will be products for some of our other shows there as well. So you got to scroll down and um, to see everything. And I think there's a second page that some of the GBC stuff is on as well. But it's all there for right now. We may add more stuff later on down the road, but uh, that should get you going and, and give you the opportunity to wear your GBC gear with pride, as we say on the site. Yeah. I'll say that, you know, there's there's a there's a cardinal rule when you when you go to the beach that I've that there are actually two. One is bring two sandwiches 
don't bring one, bring two, because you're going to eat one immediately when you get to the beach, and then you're going to want another one a little later, and bring two beach towels, because you're going to want one to lay on and one to, to dry off if you go into the water. So um, GBC happy hour um, beach towel is a must-have. Um, but to the playlist, you know, it's that season we're having, you know, our barbecues, we're having our um, cookouts, our beach parties where we bring our little Bluetooth speakers. And, you know, we were thinking, what are some songs, uh, you know, that are kind of must-haves, you know, whether classic or current, you know, obviously Padam Padam was like the song of Pride season. There's the new Troy Sivan Rush song. But, um, you know, what else fills out the playlist? Um, some classics, some some new stuff, whatever the case may be. So, you know, we thought we'd we'd uh, try to come up with some. So, Chick, what do you think? What's what's on your summer playlist? So I did like a top three, and I think my number three would have to be Man, I Feel Like a Woman by Shania Twain. Okay. And then number two would be Free Ride by the Edgar Winter Group. Oh, yeah. Um, and then the number one, that was a really tough one. Um, and I, that one would, that one was, it was between, um, is between uh, crap. What it was? He <laughs> <laughs> um, come well, back while, to me on that one. Yeah, while you're thinking about that, the I was I was t- I had a couple that came to mind. The first one that always is the like the signature song for my summer playlists is it's very obvious, but I think it's it's perfect. Is "Cruel Summer" by Bananarama. Um, I think that that song just, it, it just sounds like the smell of sunscreen at the beach. It's just this perfect pop confection. It's effervescent, like, you know, an ice cold diet Coke. It just, it's just perfect. I just, I just think it's so wonderfully summery. Um, and just like, you know, gives me that kind of, you know, retro, that kind of nostalgic vibe. Um, and I think in a similar vein, you know, I tend to kind of go a little bit old school um, with summer jams a lot of times um, is, you know, again, kind of classic Rock Lobster by the B-52s. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, that's just such a beachy, such a, you know, cl- you know, campy, gay, beachy vibe. So I know you guys are going to laugh at me when I say list. this one, but uh, I would say um, Farrell Williams is happy. Oh yeah, that's a good. That's a good. The yeah, the vibe is right. It's very upbeat, um, very joyous. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that one. Maybe a lot. even Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville. Oh well, okay. You're allowed. You're allowed. <laughs> you're allowed your opinion. We'll put it on the playlist. <laughs> Jimmy Buffett. Okay. Um, you know. Yeah. Let's. Sure, let's go for it. What about um, because the thing is, a lot of these songs are kind of like they have elements of kind of beachiness in them, right? Like, um, you know, what about something like um, Escape, the Pina Colada song? <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. There we go. 
um, I will say one recent song that that's come out. I don't know if it's quite summer playlist, but it's a summer jam. I think um, is actually Chris Stapleton's White Horse just came out, and I'm really liking that song. It's not exactly beachy, but it it came out recently, and like I'm really liking that a lot. So I might just throw that in there just for fun. Um, I'm reading some yeah. that uh, others submitted in, um, like uh, Harry Styles, "A Daydreaming." Um, trains play that song. Huh. Uh, Jonas Brothers burning up. Okay, Jonas Brothers. That's that's that that sounds about right. Yeah. Levels um, by Avicii. Juice by Lizzo. Yes. Okay. So I, you know, I think you know if if you have any suggestions, our number seven six zero six seven seven zero one one one. Call in. And, you know, we might have to put together like a shared Spotify playlist of the GBC Happy Hour Beach Tunes. Indeed. Well, stay with us because we have saved time to come back to this in our fourth segment. So we will uh, give you an opportunity to jump in with some ideas of your own. We're going to check in next on what's going on with uh, military issues with our correspondent, James Appadale. He will be with us next after the news with Richie Roy and Chick Max and I'm Johnny Max. Stay with us on the GBC Happy Hour. once a week but the happy hour is always available on demand as a podcast wherever you prefer to get them the hosts will tell you where if you ask nicely hello and welcome back to the happy hour in this segment we've got a special correspondent in our good friend james appadale who is going to speak to us about um about some stuff regarding uh, U.S. Admiral John Kirby's kind of uh, uh, schooling on what's uh, going on with the Republicans kind of meddling with the military's readiness and some other some other topics that have to do with our armed forces. I think we should also mention that uh, James, uh, in addition to being our correspondent on defense and veterans issues on the GBC Happy Hour is also the vice president uh, nationwide of the organization American Veterans for Equal Rights. Welcome back, James. Thank you. Thank you, Richie and Johnny Mack. How are you guys doing today? Great. Thanks. Doing good. So give us an idea of what's going on in this situation. What's the story? Well, currently, you know, we're trying to pass, they're trying to pass the 2024 National Defense and Authorization Act. And the Republicans are doing a lot of shenanigans behind the scenes, trying to um, remove a lot of some of the funding that is being used for critical care for our uh, our soldiers, um, considering some of the things that would be uh, from the, for the transgender community. And... So some of the things that they're trying to do is they're uh, they're seeking to remove gender affirming care for the transgender troops. 
They're they're trying to ban any book that has pornographic material or exposes radical gender ideology and any initiative to promote racial diversity. And they want to exclude any care for the DOD policy on abortion critical to military readiness. Today, the DOD currently provides time off and funding for service members to seek abortions in other states. And so, of course, they're trying to remove those things. So U.S. Admiral John Kirby uh, recently had gone viral in a video where he explained how the Republicans are harming the military by using the NDAA to discriminate against diverse service members, including the transgender community. And again, the people who are doing this are the party in power in the House of Representatives? Correct. So, yes. And and then there's, of course, um, something we'll discuss a little bit in a minute is that one of the senators is blocking Senate approval of 250 military promotions, which also affects military readiness. So the 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 National Defense Authorization Act uh, denies care to service members currently. So it would really, um, if they if they do this, if they keep all the amendments in there that they're trying to push through, it will deny care uh, that's needed for the transgender community who serve our country, expecting to be taken care of. And these are all things that were added on to an original bill, um, to uh, which you know is necessary, of course, to fund our defense. That they're trying to basically uh, the writers to try and sneak these you know through. And is this not something that the president uh, can use a line item veto on? Um. Not really. The well, I mean, they can't. He can for certain things, but there, it's going to be. It would be when he, when it gets approved. Right now, they're still you know negotiating, and they haven't approved the National Defense Authorization Act. They're certainly they're trying to get uh, eight hundred sixty six eight hundred eighty six billion is what's requested, and um, and then you know of course all the negotiations that are going on to make, you know, behind the scenes in the Senate and the House, uh, pushing back on different things within the, and adding things to the bill, you know, which is kind of always been the case with any kind of defense bill. They're trying to add in different things or take away things. And in this case, they're trying to deny care. I mean, the thing that I find just sort of so, um, so appalling about this is that Republicans generally um, kind of tr- have wrapped themselves in the mantle of the flag and the eagle and the military. And there's kind of like a lot of uh, attempts to kind of co-opt the military as being essentially kind of this Republican thing, right? That we that we support the troops, our heroes, our veterans, our whatever. But then but when it com- when it actually comes to like walking the walk, they're always the ones on the other side of, you know, funding the VA properly on the side of screwing with military readiness just for purely ideological and political reasons. And it just like it just strikes me as being so hypocritical because, you know, query, you know, however you feel about the military, you know, the Republican Party, um, you know, is really, you know, sort of stakes their claim as being the party of the military. But then when the military is like, right. we actually don't want what you're doing, 
like stop this. Um, they're not paying attention because they want to score a cheap political point. Correct. And, you know, Admiral, uh, With a minority Kirby, of citizens. You know, made it pretty clear. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, James, you spent many years. You spent many years in the United States Army. You have done work with the Air Force. You work uh, in your day job now. You are a uh, civilian uh, employee uh, to the United States Army Corps of Engineers. You have a pretty good grasp on how things work. Aren't you more surprised that there has been as much support? for the GOP from conservative people in the military. Um, uh, I mean, when you look, you and I have had these conversations offline before about the fact that uh, when you see the the biggest raises, you know, because I don't think that people working in the DOD, especially out on the front lines, um, are the best paid people in the world. I have a friend who... Worked in in uh, uh, motor pool in Iraq, and you know would constantly live with the fear that his truck was gonna you know hit an IED, and watched friends of him and trucks behind him and in front of him actually be killed by IEDs. And when he told me that he was making like seventeen to nineteen thousand dollars a year, I was dumbfounded. So when yeah, when when it's a Democrat in office. When it's a Democrat in office, usually we see compensation issues for members of the military go up. I would think that that would be something that would win them to the side of the left. Yeah, you would think so. Uh, I mean, am I wrong? No, you're not wrong at all. So, yeah, when the military under, under Democratic leadership, it... It has always seemed to get higher raises through for those on the front lines um, through the National Defense and Authorization Act, making sure that the uh, when they're they're balancing the budget that they're trying to get more money for the military and the and the troops. You know they they don't make a lot of money, so they have to rely a, a lot on the benefits that come with serving. Uh, and this is some of the things that they're messing with. And the Defense, National Defense and Authorization Act now is trying to pull back some of those benefits that, um, you know, as my friend uh, Danny Ingram said, Congress should never pick and choose which service members will be treated for medical conditions and which will not. The n- denial of critical care based on political grandstanding is a betrayal of a sacred obligation to care for soldiers and their families. Breaking that obligation undermines national security by eroding the trust of the men and women who volunteer to defend our nation's freedom. And I could not agree with him anymore with that statement. Yeah, amen. I mean, I, I, mean, I think one of the things that, that, that you're kind of bringing up, Johnny, is, is there's, this, um, there's this kind of aesthetic Americanism, re, sort of Republican aesthetic that like is like we are the vibe like we are the vibe of the military like and it's just like there's this there's this stickiness to this idea that like if you're a red-blooded american of a certain stripe you're a republican and that military and republican kind of go hand in hand and i feel like there that that needs to be broken because if you actually look at at what actually happens under republican versus democratic 
administrations, the Democrats are, you know, are far better at actually kind of, you know, like you said, providing for benefits and coverage yep. and sort of, you know, and so I, I think there's a messaging issue. There's some kind of like messaging problem where there's an idea that if you're a tr- red blooded, you know, military loving American, you're a Republican yep. and you're not one of those Dems. And I just think that, that, that that's a messaging issue that the Democrats need to fix. Yeah, for Absolutely. sure. So, yeah, and then, and James, then, you also the, mentioned the other, another part of the story here. So, Yeah, and then um, Senator Tommy Tuberville, of, who's a Republican in Alabama, is currently blocking Senate approval of over 250 high-ranking military promotions. He doesn't feel that this will affect military readiness, and therefore he's, you know, right now it does because it is, the, the Marine Corps is currently left without a confirmed leader. Right. And, you know, personally, I, I have served under a lot of different commands, and I know how important it is to have a, a functioning chain of, of command that supports their troops. And when that link is broken, then it makes our military weaker. And right now that link is broken. Well, wasn't Tuberville, uh, you know, a senior member of the Senate when previous administration was in office and supportive of them and of course uh, under the previous um, leader of the United States uh, we spent a good deal of those four years without having confirmed leaders in several key positions uh, in government and putting temporary people in uh, so that they could get around the fact that that you couldn't get people um, confirmed and, you know, and have those departments still run and in some cases be run by people who are wholly unqualified to run them. So, I mean, it's just, I think it's just the way that the GOP, I think it's the way that they think. And I think that they, you know, that to them, it's kind of like in the corporate world, uh, instead of hiring employees, because that's overhead that you know you don't want to have on your bottom line, you just hire a bunch of temp workers, and it, it just seems like a bunch of crap. And it's something that we need to you know we need to fully get the um, Democrats in office uh, next November, uh, a year from this coming November, to be able to make some changes and to do that they are going to have to have uh some substantial uh you know numbers it's not going to be just by razor thin majorities that they're going to be able to do things we've already seen without a super majority what happens in both the house and the senate you know yeah, and one then when thing we, to then when the democrats do take yeah and then when the democrats do take power they have to make sure that they're actually passing those bills and laws that are going to protect equality and rights, such as, you know, passing, you know, the ban on abortion and that type of thing, where there, you know, those laws, you know, Roe versus Wade, when it was overturned, all this stuff has kind of been that guiding catalyst that has kind of empowered uh, a lot of Republicans to, to do other things to try to overturn gays in the military, 
that type of thing. And that's kind of where all this is heading. Yeah. And, you know, it's worth mentioning there's an article um, yesterday in the Washington Post um, that Mr. Tuberville, um, what an onomatopoetic name, just Tuberville, right? Just it rolls off the mm -hmm. tongue. But um, that he's been dining out on his dad's, you know, World War II service. And and turns out he's main, he's confabulated and sort of like, you know, puffed it up quite expansively, most of it untrue. So, um, you know, Tuberville himself, um, while, you know, while actually sort of, uh, you know, cutting our current military off at the knees by being a jerk, also, you know, attempts again to wrap himself in the mantle of, you know, of his dad's service, which was not actually what he says it is. So right. that's just another little kind of cute, hypocritical, you know, uh, little filigree on that whole story. Hypocritical? GOP? Yeah. <laughs> I know, hard yeah, those, to believe. Those are exactly quite right. synonymous, aren't they? Well, I, I appreciate the uh, update, James, and, and uh, uh, what, what's next to come, do you think? Um, well, we're going to be monitoring a lot of different things. Uh, the main thing right now is the transgender community. We need to stand by them and our transgender troops in trying to make sure that there's protection and that's why I think we need to get the majority so that we can vote those types of things into and codify into law um, protections for our transgender brothers and sisters. Also. And, and so, what are you guys up to at AVER at American Veterans for Equal Rights? What are you, what are you guys doing towards that end to try and help with that process? Uh, well, right now we're we're you know kind of reaching out. Uh, we we just released just released that press release about. Um, the National Defense Act, and we're trying to um, make sure that people are reaching out to their senators and Congress members and letting know that they need to support a clean NDAA and that doesn't discriminate or cause harm to the morale of our service members and their families. Well, I appreciate you uh, being along with us uh, today and talking about uh, this issue, and and I'm very happy that Admiral Kirby uh, decided to uh, nail the Republicans to the wall for uh, what they're doing to our service members in this situation. So um, we will continue to have you back on a regular basis to talk about issues that affect LGBTQ people in the United States Department of Defense and how um, things are going with regards to uh, a move towards getting codified policy in terms of non-discrimination there. We're going to talk about some other non-discrimination coming up in the next hour that needs to happen. Uh, we'll be joined by Riverside County Democratic Party Chair Joy Silver. She'll be in studio with us. Uh, coming up next on the GBC Happy Hour, we're going to uh, revisit uh, what we were talking about before James joined us, and uh, we'll get into pool party songs and things like that. If uh, We'll also have a few minutes for some open phone conversation. If you'd like to join us, the number is 760-677-0111. 760-677-0111. With Richie Roy in upstate New York and Chick Maxson in San Angelo, Texas, I'm Johnny Mack joining you from Palm Springs, California. 
and this is the GVC Happy Hour. Come on, turn that frown upside down. It's the happy hour on KBC. Welcome back. Um, so, yeah, so more on uh, on the summer pool party uh, playlist. But before we do that, I actually wanted to talk briefly about something that I thought was just so funny. Sure. Um, that uh, you know, we've talked we've talked breathlessly and probably ad nauseum about the Barbie movie, but um, our good everyone's best friend Ben Shapiro. Um, if you don't know who he is, look into it. He's a right wing pipsqueak um, sort of rabble rouser and radio broadcaster. I don't know exactly what all he does, but he's he's out and about. He he's extremely like you know if you go on YouTube, if you accidentally type Ben Shapiro once, um, it's recommended in your feed for the next you know seventy years. Do not say um, that. Some, what was that? Don't say that. I have to yeah, tell you, no, I, I was at an event in New York City when I lived there that was a radio industry event, talk radio industry event, and um, he was there, and at that time, I think he was like 14 years old, and I'm not kidding. Yeah. Uh, he yeah. was just this little pipsqueak, and if he hadn't been a minor, I probably would have pounded him into the ground <laughs> like the tiger with Fred Flintstone. Yeah, so he's... One of his sort of hallmark things is being extremely annoying. His voice right. itself is just like nails on a chalkboard, just the worst. Anyway, um, he he's very, very popular in certain corners of the Internet, uh, right wing, you know, sort of firebrand. But he went and saw the Barbie movie and um, was so was so shook by the movie that he recorded a 45 minute rant cast about it. And, um, it, as part of that, uh, appeared to have purchased some Barbies to burn. Yeah. Um, apparently he got a little and, carried away with, uh, matches or a lighter or whatever it was. And, and, uh, his inflaming words, uh, went up in flames with Barbie. Yeah. And so, you know, I always find it funny when people um, buy a product to burn it. Um, you know, this is reminds me of like the disco riot, you know, where they were buying Diana Ross records to burn them. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, one of the it, it's just been very funny. I listened to like two seconds of the video, but his voice is so obnoxious that I had to stop. Right. Um but yeah, uh, you know, he's been kind of getting raked over the coals on the internet because one of the things is when he went to the Barbie movie, he was wearing this outfit that was a black t-shirt tucked into black jeans with a black belt. And it's literally one of the, it's like one of the outfits that, that is worn by Ken in the movie. So he's actually <laughs> kind of doing like a cosplay of, of Ken. So um, you know, I just I wanted to bring that story in just because it's just so funny. And like, I think, you know, he's trying I think it's also he's trying to be relevant, you know, trying to to kind of stick his finger in the cultural moment. Right. And it's just like, you know, so 
it's just not it's just not working for him and it's just very funny um but you know uh to go back to i actually have to say to go back to the the summer the summer pool party playlist um a good friend of mine um got me a very uh wonderful gift which is the barbie movie soundtrack on cassette tape <laughs> which it's a bright magenta tape of course and it is great. It's a great soundtrack. It is super summery, super fun. There's Who like you still know, Lizzo. has a cassette player though. What was that? You still have a cassette player? I have one in my car. Okay, which is actually the perfect place to listen to the Barbie soundtrack. Um, the only one after owning probably a hundred of them over the years, the only one I have left is actually uh, about eighteen inches from my right elbow. <laughs> um, in the studio here and I only have it because I made our engineer bring it because I have all these cassette tapes with things from a million years ago that I need to go through and, and actually uh, dub off and, and turn into digital files but uh, I still haven't even done it yet I mean I am that 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 guy I do have my tape collection I buy stuff new on tape um, wow. So I know, I know. You it's, do know that I'm they not proud of it, right? but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid by the time I stick one of my tapes in the player that it's going to be all gone. So, <laughs> um, but you've yeah, only so been sitting in the garage at 120 that. degrees. What was that? I said they've only been sitting in a garage that's 120 degrees. But, you know, that's the genius of tapes is like, I don't know if you remember, like back in the day, like the vinyl kind of like the leatherette uh, little briefcase that you'd have full of tapes that would stay in the car. Right. And the, and the car would get to be about 300 degrees in it, but the tape still worked perfectly. <laughs> right. No, it, the tape, those tapes are indestructible. I, I have tapes from, yeah, when I was when I was like, a you know, four or five years old that I still have mixtapes that I made off the radio that still play great. Including the tape of you on the radio in Northern That's California. True. Yeah. That is Playing true. Playing <laughs> DJ for a day. Um, so, Chick, did you think about uh, uh, that other song that you were thinking about? Um, I couldn't think of just one. So, I thought of a few others. Okay. And one of them is um, California Dreaming by Dirty Honey. Uh, that's a relatively new song. I think it came out just a couple years ago um and then also one that i thought of that is kind of obscure i don't know how many people know about it is called lakeshore drive by a leota haynes and jeremiah okay i don't know that song what, what genre is it i don't know it's kind of like a soft rock kind of feel it's very like it's got a lot of um a lot of piano in it it's it's mm. i think of it as almost kind of like just a nice cruising driving song um mm. but uh so like that a one. yacht then, radio type thing yeah kind yeah. of <laughs> and then um another one that i thought of was in the summertime by mungo jerry Hey, you know what um i think i've mentioned to y'all before but our special guest next hour um uh, Joy Silver is actually in studio already, and oh. because she is a, a music professional herself, I thought I would bring her into the conversation and just ask her really quick. Uh, the topic 
joy is uh recommended songs that are great for uh pool parties this summer wow that's a tough one i was gonna say um summertime but that's not really like a splashy kind of song i I do (laughs) think though that there are renditions of it that are a little more poppy and disco-y and thanks for asking me about that because i'm sitting here thinking wow the summer songs right yeah what was that yeah i mean actually i was thinking summertime itself actually um like maybe not for a pool party but like kind of like an evening like having like a nice iced tea like at sunset like summertime, it, I mean the the classic, you know, it, that that's a great one. There's also if you think, I mean, summertime. There's Shaggy in the summertime, which is a little bit more beachy, a little bit more, uh, you know, has a little bit more of that kind of rhythmic aspect to it. But yeah, Nobody's I mean, it would be fun any Beach to actually Boys songs. go on. What was that? Nobody's mentioned any Beach Boys songs. Oh. But it, who did the one in the summertime? Da, 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 da. Yeah, Shaggy. That, Shaggy. That's it, right? Yeah. 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 I thought I thought that was Mungo Jerry. Was that Mungo Jerry's tune? Yeah. I think it is. And Mad- Madonna did uh, a song back when too, right? I mean, there was some kind of. Oh well, La Isla Bonita is a That's great it. That's tune. the tune. That's exactly the song. I remember yes. playing that a lot that year in the summer. Right? Yes. Okay, well, we're going to meet Joy and get to talk with her in depth about some down and dirty Democratic business that is going on here in Riverside County, California, the 10th largest county in America. And you'll want to hang out for that. We've also got a lot of other stuff to talk about, um, including the Dems doing right by the VA. Stay with us. This is the GBC Happy Hour. The Happy Hour with Richie Roy, Chick Maxson, and Johnny Mac. These homosexuals are scheming for world domination. Good grief. What is it with every talk show host thinking they should run the planet? Anywho, back to the GBC Happy Hour. Welcome back. Glad to have you here with us on this Thursday evening. And we've got a guest at GBC HQ. Um, in the room with Johnny Mac, and that is Joyce Silver. Hi, 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 everybody, and how are you? And I'm really happy to be here tonight. We're glad to have you with us, Joy. Um, and in full disclosure, uh, so everybody knows, um, Joy and I have been friends for a long time, and it has been my pleasure to um, to work with her on uh, some of her campaign stuff in the past, and uh be as supportive as i possibly could and why is this thing not letting me into the screen i need to be on oh well um so uh one of the things that she because she doesn't have enough to do in her life working on all these things with affordable housing for people in in uh, california uh and helping other people with their campaigns and getting out and helping cam, uh, campaigns of candidates across the country that need people out doorbelling, uh, you know, because she went, as I recall, she went to Georgia and worked with the, did. the Warnock and and mm-hmm. uh, other campaign there, and then uh, more Warnock recent, and Ossoff, Ossoff, mm-hmm. and then in more recent times, you went to Florida and and 
into was it North Carolina or South Carolina? Uh, North Carolina, I think it was. South yeah. Car- yeah, that's a good question. I don't even know where I was. It was for Sherry Beasley there, um, and uh, and in uh, Florida, it was for Val Demings. Uh, actually, yes, and I learned a lot about county uh, county chairs being at both of those places, uh, which I'm sure we'll be discussing tonight. Yep. But it is true. John has been um, amazing. Um, we've done a, a podcast where we got to meet many people on really interesting, um, having interesting discussions on many, many issues, some of them rather radical, I would say. Um, new, new and different and educated point of view, which we don't hear that much of, certainly on major media. Uh, and that was exciting. That was outspoken. And John was uh, very helpful in my, even in my run for county chair. He encouraged me to take that. Um, I was conscripted into that role. (laughs) And he is so right because I have the full-time job of affordable housing, which is a whole other topic and subject that we could talk about for days and days and days. But the county party and being the county party chair is also a full-time job, albeit unpaid. So indeed, I am working. mm, Now, I I am nowhere close to the age of 40. But I will tell you, I'm working as hard as I did then, and maybe even more so now. And I really think it's because we're in a crisis moment in the country. And so why would I step in to do such a thing at this particular time in the county is because, and I have said this to John many times, if the country goes fascist, it won't be because of Joy Silver. That's right. <laughs> you know. That's completely right. Um <laughs> One thing I I would like to um, really get into uh, tonight while you're here is uh, one of, one of the cow pies in the pasture that you kind of stepped into by jumping into this role is been this messy situation with some uh, politicians and some people involved with school boards and such down in Temecula, an area that is in southwestern Riverside County, uh, but it is, you'd think it's almost in uh, in San Diego County. It's so close to San Diego. But uh, tell us about what happened there, because there was a lot of uh, national news that was breaking in recent weeks about uh, complaints about uh, the Harvey Milk being in the curriculum uh, down there, and I know that the governor had to get involved and and all that. Tell us about what was going on in Temecula and how that situation is resolving itself now. Mm. Well, it, it's really interesting because um, it, it, first of all, we couldn't, we we can't really look at Temecula in and of itself or by itself because um, all of this kind of um, this strategic planning has come, uh, the, the plan for it has all been um, originated and you will, of course you will know this, Florida. And the first time I encountered these tactics were, were, uh, was when I was in the field there doing that Val Deming work actually. Teachers were telling me then that they were already at the book banning moment and that they were being forced to take books off their shelves in their classes. And, and so this was all of the things that we're seeing now and today in Temecula and in, um, in Riverside and actually across the country are things that were already uh, activated in, in Florida. So I had had that firsthand realization that the organizational process and the money was coming from a, a, a nationally and 
uh, a national campaign to stop public schools. Now, the end of public schools, it, we already know, was under um, cult, uh, under 45. He, um, he had colluded to, uh, along with those who don't believe in public education, and we know why that is, because education makes people smarter, and surely we can't have that. No, and, not at all. Right, no. and access to public education, and, and when you think about our, my own education in public school, um, the more diverse and broad it is, the smarter we get, and, and also critical thinking skills are taught along the way. So in Temecula, um, it became very apparent that craziness was going on um, because the people who were fighting it there were organized to be able to fight the issue. Um, I would say, I don't know, John, when was the, the, the sheriff's campaign situation? I did a lot of work on trying to move the current sheriff out of office. And what I understood at that point along with the team, and many of them happened to be in Temecula, so we were already organized for this moment in a lot of ways, and this is before I was at party anything, um, was that uh, they were nationally organized into that constitutional sheriff's scenario. And we had many conversations with people who were even not, were very knowledgeable about what was happening across the country um, in that area, and the money for the Moms for Liberty actually comes from those sheriffs. And our particular sheriff here in Riverside County was one of the signers of the DeSantis uh, anti-immigration. Uh, I think there was 91 sheriffs across the countries that um, signed it, and two of those people were actually from California, of which our dear Riverside County sheriff was part of that. So the setup for Temecula and the insistence on our part that the state party had to take a look at this was this is where the fight is taking place. So people in Temecula and in Lake Elsinore and in Menifee and in Marietta were already organized, as it were, to take on some of the things that were happening there. Um, people like, and I believe we had him on, on the show, uh, on one of our, our, our interviews, Steve Schwartz had been on the, on mm-hmm. the uh, interview, and he is on the board there uh, along with Allison Beggs, and both of them were part of our sheriff uh, campaign scenario. So the final straw after the craziness that they trot out every, every single school board is about banning this and, and, and you know, teaching... Um, uh, teaching kindergartners how to give BJs and I mean just just it's so insane uh, that um, it seems like the final straw was um, the Harvey Milk scenario in which the governor came down and but but the focus on this um, is because uh, basically because we were already organized to move forward with this and the support they immediately started their Temecula One Pack, which is what we did with Bianco. I mean, you can see the organizing process as to how they were going to get visibility in that way. Um, the Attorney General also uh, was looking, uh, had come down to look at this particular issue. It is against uh, California state uh, law to do the things that were happening there and book banning and carrying on there. And now they're doing a recall campaign of the three particular board members that are uh, that are not um, that are really not for the children. One of the main issues, though, is that uh, the 412 Church comes in with their people. 
they drop their bombs, disrupt the meeting, start screaming and carrying on, and then they leave. You know, one of the things that I think is important, like, um, because all of this rings really true, is to kind of is to kind of look back and and when a lot of this really comes out of you know unfortunately brown versus board of education because if you look at the southern strategy and you look at sort of what happened uh when you know when there was an attempt to desegregate schools you know before that there were a lot actually a lot of americans were pretty you know on sort of broadly supportive of public education when when desegregation happened you had the southern strategy to knit together the catholics who long wanted to have private schools you know um parochial schools and then you had the the you know the academies that wanted to kind of continue to have segregated schools and you have a lot of the sort of groundwork that that now there's this you know there's these national kind of coalitions and kind of de- dismantling of public schools it really comes out of still this this desire to to unroll desegregation and to end up with schools that are sort of ideologically you know sort of uh minded and you know you when you look at vouchers and kind of it's this very dense nexus of kind of issues that really all cir- circle around schools and public education and it's really um, you know, that's we it's why we see so many fights happening there is because there's so much attention paid at at sort of dismantling public education and and trying to defang it from being something that is reflective of our current world. Mm. Uh, I'm really glad you mentioned that um, because I, I, I think uh, in thinking of that, what you triggered for me was also, I mean, if we look at, the, we could say that particular thing in in in, seg, in uh, desegregation, but going back even further, we remember that formerly enslaved people or enslaved people were not allowed to learn how to read. And if mm-hmm. they did learn how to read, it had to be sections of the Bible. And um, certain sections were torn out that might be supportive to the state of having no no enslavement or you know that people needed to be good <laughs> exactly. to each other but but it is interesting that you say that because this really goes back to keeping enslaved people uh, unable to read and write and unable to so this was an important thing so where where do we really want to go back with all of this that I think that the movement that we see in front of us is not just talking about resegregating but they're talking about going back to like 1857 you know? <laughs> yeah we're looking at way back there you know before there was a 14th amendment and a 13th and 14th amendment i think well i don't know about you but i just heard in the last week or so that uh slaves got benefit from being enslaved mm-hmm. you know kind of like when we were in uh middle school and high school and went to home economics this is the Florida curriculum thing. Yeah, the the just the 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 belief that you can just will. I mean, I mean, and th- this is again a constant struggle. Is um, that the idea of teaching history and teaching sort of the sort of mul- you know multifaceted aspect of American history is somehow anti-patriotic? That that only the most um, and especially now. I mean, you know, post Black Lives Matter. Um, you know, the idea that, you know, Rosa Parks is considered, you know, like a controversial topic that should maybe be saved for high school or later. 
um, it's wild. I mean, the 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 way that the goalposts keep moving and moving, uh, you know, in terms of what people on the right consider to be acceptable education. Mm. Well, I, I think no education is really what's acceptable. Um, that the, the whole movement to homeschooling was always a really dangerous, slippery slope there. Um, and I think that um, not having a accreditation for, for mm-hmm. uh, homeschooled um, uh, programs and uh, requirements on that level really moved it to that way as well. But I heard something that I think uh, maybe you guys heard this. I heard this on one of the radio talk shows that I also listened to. That just remember our our forefathers uh, painted their faces white, wore wigs, and had stockings with waistcoats and high heels. And I thought, yeah, that is actually true. And <laughs> so, if they really want to go back to our forefathers, they really should take a look at some of the what was considered um, fashion for the time period. Yeah. Drag queens all over. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I, thought, I thought that was a great, <laughs> a great reference. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and uh, in the situation down in Temecula, uh, Governor Newsom uh, threatened a million and a half dollar fine. Um, that can speak pretty loud, too. Uh, at what point is there a breaking point with the general citizenry in saying, you know, enough of this BS. Uh, enough. You know, let's get back to the business of education and uh, don't make my kids stupid. You, you know, um, there's this, as all of the far right and, and extremists, um, they always try to make it about family values. You know, this, the, 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 the idea that parents' rights are, is what's touted as the reason for the behavior that we see. I think that, to your point, John, um, we were we will see a change of, from my perspective as the as a, as a, a, a strategist. I'm waiting to see what happens on the recall, because that will tell me numbers wise, what that looks like in terms of. Um, in terms of how much work there is to do and how much the general population, regardless of party, is ready to make a change and go back to really serving the children and not serving some crazy ideological uh, rant and rave that, that is basically about disempowering as many people as possible as quickly as possible. And I think, you know, I think another thing that that it brings up, too, is that, you know, what, you know, the the people on the right generally are extremely averse to federal or actually any kind of broad guidelines for what should be taught, what should be learned, what should be acceptable in schools. And it kind of ties into with, you know, this sort of hyper, you know, the. Um, the issues of equity in education because of how property taxes go to funding schools. And so you have um, you have this kind of this system that really um, leads to extreme inequities in terms of what people learn, how they learn them, and what resources they have to bring to bear for that. We're going to continue the conversation with our guest, Joy Silver, chairperson of the Riverside County California Democratic Party. And when we do, I want to talk with her about how all of the lessons that she has learned with these different functions that she has performed over the last several years uh, and her approach to what she's doing in Riverside County, uh, how that can apply to our 
seeing more success among Democrats in upcoming elections. So stay with us as we continue with more of the GBC Happy Hour with Chick Maxson and Richie Roy. I'm Johnny Mack. Happy Hour, where the drinks are half price, the snacks are complimentary, and the hosts just won't shut up. <laughs> Welcome back to the Happy Hour. We are here with our, our aptly named guest, Joy Silver, because she is an absolute joy. And we are talking about um, everything from education to now, I mean, I think uh, talking about the sort of the broad uh, question of how to combat these these MAGO wackos, yeah. um, and what techniques work, what don't, because you know the, they're kind of they're they're doing guerrilla warfare, sort of trench warfare, disinformation, um, crazy fever dream, internet stuff. Um, you know, what do we do? You know, how as as folks who are kind of maybe on the more progressive end of things, how do we combat? Um, you know, the tactics that are at times sort of just virulently anti-truth and anti-reality. Mm-hmm. Mind-numbing. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, the, we have to look at, at least this is what I've done in, in, in all of this experience uh, that, that John has, has talked about and all the many things I've done. We look at, let's just look at the Obama campaign for a second. I think one of the, it's the strength and the weakness at the same time, okay? And I think that there's a lot of strength in Obama's campaign. He used new technology that hadn't been used. He was the one who really understood marketing. His logo is one of those iconic moments in time when every logo changes now because he had his own. You could look at that and know exactly what he stood for and who he was just by looking at the symbol. That was that O. I don't know if you remember that. This, you know, that whole branding thing and sure. looking at the candidacy as that. That was a big deal. Um, he was using the texting. This was all new at that particular time. But what happened with um, Obama is that all of that uh, organizing did not necessarily lift all of the party up because it was for that campaign. He won it, and that was kind of the end of the organizing principle. When Hillary Clinton ran, and this is not something, I mean, this is not something um, that I'm just, an, is an opinion, this is just an actual fact, that she actually saved the Democratic Party by investing in all of the states at from the ground up and paying paid organizers at a level that had never been done before and sharing softwares and call techniques and everything else, and so, she um, she put the money from the campaigns back to the local, the more local levels, and therein lies one of the the issues that that we're still reeling from. I think is that the extremists have been back while we're out there doing celebrity top down campaigning, they were doing push ups and growing strength from the local and granular levels up. They always knew that it was about the school boards and the PTAs, and you know they always knew that. And so they had organized from this very granular level, 
and Democrats always fall in love. See, Democrats fall in love with their candidates, but the extremists fall in love with their um, their ideology. And therein, and, you know, therein the lies the problem. That, one of the, the things that I hear just a lot from folks that that are friends of mine who are you know pro- on the progressive side is, and, and I, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this, is a profound dissatisfaction specifically with the DNC, that their tactics feel tired, that they don't feel like they're avuncular enough, that they're not kind of like capturing any energy and that it, it, it feels like the playbook is old and and very, like you said, kind of top down and doesn't is not reflective of the party and sort of the energy needed to kind of get things going. Like what what you know, what can we do to kind of to kind of on the on the broader level get that level of enthusiasm kind of kind of spark that energy to kind of get things going? See, I think I think that that focus on the DNC is a big mistake for us. I mean, we can talk about all the problems. Look, when I got into the county, <laughs> the big complaint in the county was the state party, right? The state party mm-hmm. didn't this, and the state party didn't that. And then I, and I finally, and in my campaigning for the position, I said, I'm not going to ask mom and dad for my allowance so I can get things done in the county. And so when people tell me DNC... It's the same thing. Well, who's going to come down? The the they the DNC like like they're some like they're not you, you know what I'm saying? We're the Democratic Party. We're the mm-hmm. accountable parties. We didn't get out and get get excitement over our values. Instead, we're looking for these celebrities to fall in love with. One of the things that we understand, and I I instituted what's called a, a data analysis committee, which by the way we didn't have, <laughs> and. It's proven over and over that Democrats will vote if they're unified against a common enemy, whereas the extremists vote because they're more tribal. They just vote on their ideology. They don't really care who stands in as the character, you know. So the advent of Trump was not because Trump is so fabulous. It's that the the platform for the appearance of somebody to just step in to the already created ideology was there. And he just happened to be the most visible person willing to take on that job and was that, you know, that narcissistic that he could jump in and do that and didn't really care about anything else. So our job then becomes to build the infrastructure so that every candidate isn't starting from ground zero every time they run. Because the more local races we win, and I call them down ballot races, the the better chance and percentages of us of is for us to take the up ticket races. That is that is the strategy that we're late to the party on, from my perspective. Yeah, and I think that that I think that actually makes a lot of sense too, because one of the things that the, the Democrats I think sometimes are on the back foot on is the deep bench, and. Right. That ha- having those down ticket people that are kind of doing the po- the retail politics and kind of getting that done does develop that bench. Mm-hmm. Joy, it's been a pleasure to have you with us, and I think there's so much more to talk about, uh, especially as we move towards the November 2024 election. Um, there's I can already think about 40 subjects that we could 
discuss here for the entire length of the show. But uh, I want to have you back soon, and I appreciate you coming in tonight and talking with us. Uh, Joy Silver is the chair of the Riverside County Democratic Party, and we appreciate you being with us. Thank you. Thank you both, and uh, good evening, and I'm be honored to return and have more conversations. Great. We'll talk to you soon. Stay with us. News is next. You think these guys aren't interesting enough without you joining the show? You're probably right. 760-677-0111. That's 760-677-0111. Operators are standing by right now. Probably. Hello, hello. Welcome back. (laughs) I really enjoyed having Joy here, and she'll be back uh, she really has so much interesting stuff to say and you know and, and she's got the ear of the California governor who I think is going to be a future presidential candidate uh, in the United States and um, just you know lots of interesting insights we've talked about so many things after she had gone uh, and done the campaigning out in Florida and in Georgia and North Carolina and so on so uh, we'll definitely def- definitely get her back Absolutely. Yeah, she's great. And yeah, I feel like every topic that we, we that we broached that we could have gone into for like another, you know, three hours. So right. it was great. And, you know, affordable housing itself, you know, which is her bread and butter is a fascinating topic and one that we could talk about for forever as well. So, you know, we yeah, had it was great inter- having her on. We had an interesting conversation in spaces on Twitter a couple of nights ago. And I just want to mention, uh, because I know that there's probably a lot of people tuning in this evening to our live broadcast who may have been part of that group of people who are in the room uh, or the space that, and I'm sorry I refuse to call it by that that single letter, um, but there was definitely a lot of interest in our doing a show where we put a heavy emphasis for an hour on the subject of, um, you know, of people both with body shaming issues and also with people having uh, body dysmorphia. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to, we're working on uh, trying to get uh, some guests lined up to look at those issues from a variety of viewpoints for an upcoming show, maybe as soon as this next week. So, um, you know, be sure to check in with us each week. And and we're going to um, uh, ultimately have a listserv uh, where you can get information sent to you each week. Uh, but if you check the gbc.com homepage for right now, we will put up in advance of each show uh, what what we're planning to do so that you can check it out and go, oh, you know, I'd really like to be a part of that conversation. You can also uh, follow us on Twitter uh, at GBC Radio Net, um, and we'll keep you informed there. But we are going to get a an email uh, list set up so that you can sign up for that to receive those notices and also to be reminded about all the cool swag that you can get with the <laughs> GBC Happy Hour logo on it. Exactly. And in this segment, we have a couple topics, um, one of which is 
uh, is something that that falls in line with some of the topics that we've talked about recently, like the Supreme Court's decision about the website developer. But um, we have a very annoying decision out of an appeals court um, in Texas, um, the not-so-great state. Sorry, Chick. <laughs> it's not going to um, surprise anybody, though. Yeah. But, uh, you know, so he, what happened was the court sided with a Catholic school that fired a guidance counselor uh, because she was in a same-sex marriage. Yeah. And, um, you know, what – and they basically told her, uh, you know, that uh, someone someone got her marriage certificate from the county and sent it to the school. And she so was told that her. she could – What? So she was now to them. They outed her. She was outed by someone. Yeah. Um, uh, who and the school told her that she could either get divorced, resign, or quietly finish the school year and leave. She uh, didn't want to do any of those things, and so she was placed on administrative leave. And a week later, was fired. Um. So and she. I want to know if also, they checked in with the. Uh, Pope Francis about that. Yeah. And, and so, you know, the, the gist of this is that, um, is that the school, you know, because, you know, obviously there are, there are laws against, um, you know, firing people for various, you know, things, you know, race, sex, you know, and, you know, other things like, you know, sexual orientation or sexual identity, depending on where you're at. Um, but there is a quote ministerial exception Right, which allows religious institutions to skirt federal employment discrimination laws, um, you know, because they're, you know, they, it's someone who's involved in a ministerial, you know, aspect of a job. So therefore, they're like the religion trumps the federal law. I seem to and, remember that this was a big deal when ENDA was passed, uh, or, or was in the process of trying to get passed. Uh, with a Catholic parish in the city of San Francisco, and uh, and that was brought up about whether or not they would be allowed to discriminate against uh, gays and lesbians in employment with within the church, and that was when they wrote that um, ministerial exception into the law mm-hmm. to get it passed. And it's just another it's another example of these things where these um you know the 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 way that the Supreme Court and the way that you know generally the first amendments um you know uh, free exercise and establishment clause you know jurisprudence has been interpreted just leaves these gigantic you know loopholes in terms of broad, um, you know, sort of laws that are applicable to everyone. It's like, oh, well, unless you say the word religion, in which case then, oh, it doesn't apply at all. Yeah. And so here, you know, obviously she, this was a, a guidance counselor. This is not someone, you know, who is giving religious advice. This is not someone who fits that at all, but, you know, it's the kind of slow encroachment of these exceptions to the rules that basically end up with, um, sort of no no guidelines or no guidance that actually protects people from things. Right. Um, it's really it's really outrageous. It's quite onerous. 
And it, you know, it, it, it really, uh, you know, the thing that's unfortunate is you just see um, decision by decision that these religious, you know, you know, everything from the religious, religious, was it RIFRA, Religious Freedom Restoration Act, to the Supreme Court decisions, um, just this kind of complete um, prostration of of protections and kind of broad, broadly applicable laws and rules um, at the federal level to anyone who says for any reason, just I, I have a religious belief against it. And you just get to, you get out of jail free. Um, you know, and, and you could, you could extend that into all kinds of different directions. Um, but, uh, you know, where it ends up is this is a, this is a, a, a run-of-the-mill employee, a guidance counselor at a Catholic school. And because she was married to a woman, um, the school gets to just say, oh, we fire you. Like, even though the, under any other normal circumstance, that's not a job that you get to fire someone because they're gay. Yeah. But because the word religion is involved like a magic wand, they get to fire at will. It's, it's just, it makes me really upset because... It's so um, – it's just a get-out-of-jail-free get card is what it is. Yeah. You have to ask yourself as you scratch your head which constitutionally protected thing trumps the other. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because, you know, the freedom of speech, the freedom to, um, you know – basically live your life as you see fit so long as you're not committing a crime um, how and especially with the uh, preface of knowing that there's supposed to be a separation of church and state how does the freedom of religion outweigh the freedom of you living your truth when your truth is not an actual crime Right. And, and part of it is that basically this the word the, the concept separation of church and state has been just eviscerated. Yeah. In terms of, you know, RIFRA and the and First Amendment jurisprudence that there, the separation is just it is a sham at yeah. this point. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it, the direction it's going is 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 it ever, you know, ever creeping towards absolute sort of dissolution of separation of church and state. I don't remember an awful lot about John F. Kennedy. He was only alive for a couple of months, months after I was born. But I certainly have read and seen a lot. And what I one of the things I do recall was the anti-Catholic stance that existed thinking about a Catholic being the president of the United States. And Yet now today I look and I see this block of conservative justices on the United States Supreme Court uh, who are all Catholic. And as was one of, the, one of the nastiest ones in the past in terms of on the right side uh, uh, with what's his name, who, um, the guy who got shot by, uh, you know, when he was out on the hunting trip with uh, Dick Cheney. Um, Justice Scalia, and uh, and it, you know, I mean, 
at one point in time, nobody wanted to have a Catholic president. Now they've got a very Catholic Supreme Court, and they're definitely being influenced by, you know, the bishop's office, I think, in terms of how they behave. I mean, I think that there's that, that there's an aspect of that, but I think really what it comes down to is on the right, you know, like we were talking about with Joy, is there was, um, you know, there was a an, a very very targeted strategy to to pick off the to knit the Catholics and the evangelicals together, you know, back in the you know sort of post Brown. Uh, period and um, you know and to and to sort of separate out because traditionally Catholics actually voted pretty blue they were pro union um, and they were they were sort of a, a pretty blue block um, but there was this through uh, you know appealing to desires for Catholic schools and for p- private schools to get more you know acceptance and you know and vouchers and stuff like that. Um, and and ginning up um, abortion as a wedge issue, um, what you just have is at this point this you have this block um, yeah. of you know ca- like you said Catholics used to be considered kind of you know countercultural or edgy because actually a lot of times the Catholics were voting uh, you know in, in an interesting different way. Um, you know, because, uh, you know, if you look at uh, a lot of the, you know, doctrinally, um, there's some interesting stuff um, in the New Testament um, about social justice and about sort of different things. Um, so you had, you know, you, you, Catholics were considered, a, you know, an, an ethnic and religious minority, but they got stitched in with the evangelicals through a very targeted effort. Um, and so y- you do have this kind of lockstep now um, where um, they're kind of, you know, speaking in one voice. Yeah. Um, and it, it and and all of that is a very powerful block uh, BLOC, um, you know, in terms of uh, dissolving any idea that there should be a separation of church and state, that there should be, you know, a civil society that stands, you know, apart from religious exceptions. And it's not getting better. It really is not. Yeah. And in our lifetime, it's not going to. No. Oh. And, and, and it's, it, it, it is an interesting, you know, it, it, you, you, the makeup of the of the court is an interesting kind of aspect of that, for sure. Um, we talked with James Appadell earlier in the show, and um, there is another uh, military-related story, veteran story, that comes into play that is kind of uh, good to see somebody standing on our side, and that is Connecticut United States Senator Richard Blumenthal, who called for LGBTQ inclusion in policies at Veterans Administration facilities, hooray! Nice to. That's a great story. Yeah. It's and it, it's it's way overdue, and really important. And yeah, no, that was I was really glad to to hear that hear that come out and, um, you know, a very full throated, basically like need to reform this and you know this VA to be reflective of the reality of what the military looks like now. Exactly. We'll continue with more of the GBC Happy Hour. We'll even make Chick Talk. Um, <laughs> maybe that should be a segment, Chick Talk. Uh, stay with us. 
we've got more to come. Your call is welcome, 760-677-0111, 760-677-0111, if you'd like to join us for the conversation. And we're going to be talking about some products that get our GBC Happy Hour seal of approval. Stay with us with Richie Roy and Tick Max, and I'm Johnny Mack. once a week but the happy hour is always available on demand as a podcast wherever you prefer to get them the hosts will tell you where if you ask nicely welcome back to uh the final segment of this week's thursday night happy hour um and i'm excited about this segment actually i want this to become a sort of a regular uh thing because i i feel like we've got good taste we've got you know we we we've got stuff we like um and so this is the gbc happy hour seal of approval segment and um i would like to see what chick uh comes to us with this week my product that i have always bought for i mean years and years and years would have to be levi's jeans and i mean they're they're comfortable they look good there's so many different styles and they have so many other products besides just jeans and they are also a very lgbtq friendly company they are they absolutely are you know i have never been a label whore in my life at all with one exception and although it's not so much the case today i still have a preference for levi's but there was a period for many years where I wouldn't buy anything except 501s. And, um, <laughs> and, and I very much share in the seal of approval for uh, Levi Strauss and Company. That's for sure. Well, 501s are the ones that I've always bought as well. So. See, I've see, I I'm a huge uh, fan of Levi. You know, actually, when I worked at Logo, um, uh, we did the um, the True Colors tour, which was Cindy Lauper had a tour of musicians, um, including you know Erasure and Debbie Harry and a bunch of other uh, Amanda Palmer, and it was a great tour. And um, Levi was one of the one, one of the supporters of the tour. And they were just broadly a really supportive, you know, like you said, LGBTQ friendly uh, company that also does, you know, really, uh, you know, they have a ton of different products. I will say my um, my one thing about 501s is I've always desperately wanted to wear 501s. They don't fit my body at all. I've tried so hard and they just don't fit me well. well. They we'll have other styles that them. fit me well, but... We'll figure out how to make them. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, no, Levi, Levi is a fantastic, that's a great option. Yeah, no, and, and I love that one. So, uh, w- Johnny, what's your, uh, what's your seal of approval? Well, you know, I've been thinking about a lot of different things. Um, to me, it's, uh, and it's an easy one to do because we're all kind of tech heads, um, but... From the time I made the switch in 
1993, 93, yeah, 93, I think, is when I got rid of my last um, PC that I that I purchased, um, you know, that I purchased by choice. Let me just say it that way, and <laughs> yeah. became an Apple fan. And I had a lot of friends who were pushing me at the time to make the switch, and when I did, I went all in. I probably purchased since 1993. I probably purchased close to a hundred Mac Mac computers. <laughs> I mean, not yeah. all just mine, but you know, for my businesses and whatever. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I'm I'm a total Apple whore. Uh, although I will admit that it took me until they broke their um, exclusive with AT and T to buy my first iPhone. Mm. Because I would not go back to work with AT and T wireless. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oof. Um, yeah. Apple's. I mean, Apple's great. I mean, I. I. I am a little bit of a fanboy too. Um, you know, and especially, they always have some new exciting things coming out. Um, and even when the products give me grief, I still like. You know, I love them anyway. I my my AirPod Pros. Um, you know, are always bedeviled me but i still just i just love them um so those are those are two great ones mine's actually way more way more actually it's a much newer thing this is sort of a new product for me but i'm really liking it and it's um it's a little bit more niche but and a little bit maybe a little over sherry but um I was served an ad on, I think it was Instagram, Instagram, which knows me too well. Um, And I don't even know how it knew this, but it served me this ad for this dandruff shampoo and conditioner called Flakes. And uh, it's based in New York City. Uh, It is a pyrithione zinc based product. Uh, product, which is you know similar to other, you know, I think Head and Shoulders is all the pyrithion zinc, but um, oh, you mean it's, it it's is... not a shampoo for gay men on Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah, or or on Grinder or whatever. But no, it's a it's a dandruff shampoo and conditioner combo, um, or uh, it's a duo, okay. and it works amazingly. But more than that, I have never had a product in my shower that smells as good as these things, especially the conditioner, which is a yuzu basil conditioner with MCT oil. I am, I will, I will, I huff, I put it on and I huff it. It is smells so good and it you works so well. I'm crazy for this stuff. Wow. Yeah, no, I, I like, I, it's definitely gets my seal of approval. Cause as someone who I've tried so many different products for this particular issue, Many of which did not work at all. Um, you know, various like pomades and uh, and uh, like masks and this and that. It works great. It smells so good. Like I, I I've I've told some friends of mine like even if you don't have dandruff, you might want to just use these this shampoo and conditioner because it smells that good. It just literally smells amazing. Um, so flakes is my recommendation of the week. Um, if, if you, if it's something you need, it's a great product. Even if it's something you don't need, you might try it because the smell is really good. <laughs> cool. 
Well, that's nice. Hey, you know, um, I came across uh, some different posts on Instagram this week. And, um, and I thought maybe this is an idea that we could have an, like a question of the day type of thing and just get them randomly from something that somebody else is posting. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, here is this week's, this might be the last one after I play it, but uh, <laughs> tell me what you think. Okay, call me a bossy bottom if I'm wrong, but is your friend really your friend if they don't release the cummy wummies into your fudge factory so that they can swim around in your anus like a couple of Olympic swimmers in a pool? Personally, I don't think so. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Johnny. <laughs> I, wow. I had to have something uh, for our friends from Twitter. That's, I mean, that's a whole vibe. I'm not going to call it's by a that whole vibe. letter. Um, you yeah. know, I, 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 you know, I have to say, um, I've never wanted the FCC to regulate um, streaming radio before, but um, until now, <laughs> <laughs> I think I might want them to step in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I guess you don't want the cummy wummies in your anus. <laughs> <laughs> it's like how disgusting is this <laughs> it's it's just I mean, the thing i will say i am always um bowled over in the best way possible at how um relentlessly creative and hilarious people are on social media whether it's you know instagram or twitter or tiktok people put a lot of time into making other people laugh yeah and I mean, you know, regardless, I mean, like, I, I think that's actually kind of wild, but it's also very funny. Yeah. And I do like that people are just like spending a lot of time being like, you know, what's going to make people laugh? Talking about cummy wummies in Anus or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, no, I have, I, I, I I have to admit great. that we actually have been having, uh, and by we, I mean the collective we of Richie and I have been talking about a feature that may be being motivated by certain listeners communicating to us because we don't hear much from Chick that we might have to have a weekly question of the week for Chick segment where people just call in and ask him various questions to find out things about him. How do you feel about that, Chick? I could do that. Okay. I'd be good with that. Good. Yeah, no, I, I have some friends who are like, I've got some questions for Chick. And uh, yeah, we might we might have to have uh, an open forum, a uh, weekly open forum of uh, questions for Chick. I think that's a that's a great idea. And, and maybe, maybe an advice column, too, while we're at it. Advice from San Angelo. <laughs> well, guys, that's going to do it for our first Thursday night live show. We'll be back every Thursday night live at GayBC.com. And then, of course, uh, within a few hours, you'll be able to get the podcast of each week's show. So looking for that no later than early Friday mornings uh, in the United States of America and around the world through all of those great podcast portals that we use, including TuneIn and Captivate.fm and Apple and Google and Spotify and Stitcher and 
Amazon Music and so on. I hope you all have a great week for Richie Roy and Chick Max and I'm Johnny Mac saying may your shadow fall in pleasant places. Have a great night. Bye.